You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Oh, yeah! It's hump day. That means the week is half over. I don't know about you, but that puts a smile on my face just from that fact alone. Today's podcast is awesome, and I'll tell you why it's awesome. It's awesome because I have my good friend Tim Kent on the podcast today, and uh, I've been in the hunting industry a handful of years, and I I have the opportunity to meet a lot of people, and people like Tim Kent stick out. Um, I, I met him several years ago, and uh, it's awesome. It's awesome that the hunting industry can produce what I would call some serious friendships. And uh, the guy who's on there today is definitely one of those people. Um, Just a good overall guy who has some serious knowledge about the hunting industry. So I call him up and I'm like, dude, uh, you've already been on the podcast once when you were working for a different company. But we never really BS'd. And he's like, okay, well, I'll come on again. So this podcast is a true BS session. And there is no rhyme and reason for the direction of this podcast. Uh, Just two dudes basically at hunting camp talking about hunting and life. And just it's all over the place. So I don't even really want to tell you what we discussed today because it is something that it just it's like two buddies just talking about life and hunting so that's what today's podcast is hopefully you enjoy it if you've if you if you're still listening and you enjoy the nine finger chronicles you're going to enjoy this podcast today please i want everybody to stop what they're doing and go to bighornoutfitters.com browse through their website Uh, i know a lot of guys head out west or look for outfitters who let's say live in the east and they can't get out there and do the scouting for them. This is a perfect opportunity for those guys uh, to not have to do any scouting, but hire an outfitter and they can take you in to some pretty kick-ass places and uh, give you some opportunity at a lot of Western wild game like elk and moose and mule deer and uh, Western whitetails and uh, pronghorn. And I'll tell you, (laughs) Their Instagram feed has been absolutely blowing up since the antelope season started. Uh, and, and my buddy Dustin DeCrew has really, and his uh, his partner Rich, have really put their clients on the antelope this year. So if you guys want to find out more and potentially schedule a hunt for either archery or rifle for basically all species, get a hold of... Dustin or Rich, uh, you can call Dustin at 
1-800-300-0390, or you can email him at Dustin, D-U-S-T-I-N, at BighornOutfitters.com. Again, go to BighornOutfitters.com, check out their website, and check out all of the amenities that they offer and uh, all the hunts that they offer as well. So enough of that. Let's get into today's BS Session podcast with my good buddy, Tim Kent. All right, everybody, on the phone with me right now is a man that is really cool, and I don't know how to transition this intro into it, but and I don't want to sound like a douchebag when I say this, but I started in the quote-unquote hunting industry in 2006, and today's guest, Tim Kent, is somebody that I have met through the hunting industry, and I have became somewhat good friends with, and I always reach out to uh, Tim every time I have kind of an idea, and I like Tim because he'll tell me, eh, it sucks, or hey, not a bad idea. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome, Tim Kent. How you doing, Tim? Did you hear all those applause? Yeah, I know. People are going... Me neither. (laughs) (laughs) So, we were on the phone chit-chatting before we started recording today and i said oh well what do you want to talk about and you mentioned a couple things and and uh, i mentioned a couple things and you know that falls in line kind of with the the theme of this podcast but i want to go i want to throw some curveballs today because i know you're up for it and my first question to you well before i get to that though is the last time you were on here uh, you were uh, representing the outdoor group. You were with Elite. So this is the same Tim Kent from that uh, from that podcast. Things have changed. You're in a different position in life. Um, so fill in the listeners where you're from and what do you do for a living now? Okay. Yeah, um, I'm from Rochester, New York. And I do... Uh, I think a lot of people would say that I do advertising and marketing consulting, but realistically at this point, because of some of the contacts that I've amassed and whatever else, we, we do quite a bit more just um, oh, professional services, I, w- I would say, with really a focus on branding. So I own a company called Phoenix Branding. Before this, I had a company before I went to the outdoor group called Theory 13 Creative and uh, when I went to TOG, I sort of shut that business down. And then when I came back out, uh, you know, just the way things rolled out and talking to my attorney and my accountant, I was like, should I go back to using that business name? And there were sort of mixed reviews. And, and frankly, after, after you know, having the, that business name for a few months, I was like, man, I really hate this name. Why did I pick this? You know, was I, and I have too many cocktails in me. So to, to go back to being self-employed and doing things, it was sort of, that sort of reminded me of the, the Phoenix rising from the ashes, if you will. And I was like, you know, that, that seems to work for what's going on and seems like a good way to kind of get in front of people in a different, in a different way and, and have something that was a little recognizable. So, uh, that's the direction they went. So yeah, so we focus on, um, branding and, and, and business development and we've got some, um, we got some great, great clients and we're always looking for more and 
you know, I, it's a nice, fun place where I get to apply a lot of a lot of things that I've done in, in a lot of different places, and you know, I do it in ways and toward things that I I love doing. You know, I'm, I'm one of these people that's been fortunate to make a career working in the outdoor industry. Sometimes I feel like I'm taking crazy pills, but um, you know, generally speaking, it yeah, it's like the, the saying goes, it beats working for a living because there's a lot of days where you know, it doesn't really feel like you're working because you get to do cool stuff. So, um, but there's also a lot of days where you want to, you know, bang your head on your desk because you have to actually do real things. Like we were talking about spreadsheets before we got online and, (laughs) you know, I have to develop my fair share of spreadsheets and man, are they interesting? Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you, it's almost the other week I was looking at a spreadsheet for so long, I I literally think I blacked out and time traveled because I, I came to and I was like, holy shit, where have I been for the last three hours? Spreadsheet hell. Yeah, yeah. spreadsheet hell. Yeah. Yep. The, the spreadsheet hell, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's always tough, you know, like around budget time, um, whether it's whether it was with TOG or, or prior to that, you know, obviously working on the, the advertising and marketing side, we're, we're helping we're helping companies build budgets or with TOG, we're building budgets and whatever else. And it's, there's just so many line items and so many things that go into those budgets. And inevitably you get, you get to a certain point and it's like palm to forehead. Oh, I forgot about this. Yeah. And then you think you're, you're pretty close to done. And, you know, and then again, you have another palm to forehead moment and, Oh, I got to add that back in. And, and, you know, generally you're working with a finite amount of money. Right. Uh, that's why it's called a budget. And then, you know, when you move one thing, then some something else has to adjust. So right. it's uh, it, it's always a moving part, and, and and you know, adhering to the budget is also important. So right, that, which means your spreadsheet then again has to adapt. So. <laughs> now, I, don't, I don't want to put you on the spot or throw you under the bus, but can you name any uh, businesses or companies that our listeners might know that you work with? Uh, so, so right now, like our, our primary clients, we're, we're sort of small right now. I have a couple that I'm not going to mention, um, but uh, we work with Carbon Express. We yep. work with lethal products, and we work with Lakewood cases. And uh, those nice. are sort of our our three biggest clients right now. Again, we have we have some other things that we're working on. Uh, you know, we, we do some things with some of the other Faradayn brands, like artwork and, and then that right. type of thing. So we're working on some of that for that as well. So perfect. perfect. Yeah. yeah. So. so let's see the, the last time I chatted with you, um, man, was that, was that at the ATA show when I saw you in person, right? That was the last time I saw you in person. Was that the ATA show? Yeah. Yeah. With Mark. Yep. Yep. At the bar. Yep. Yep, at the bar. Well, that's typical for the ATA show. Um, But the first thing that popped into my head real quick, elk hunting. Are you going elk hunting this year? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Now let's talk talk a little bit about, is this the same area that you've gone elk hunting in for however many years now? No. Is this the same spot? No. No. No, so I used to hunt this area in Colorado that was, um, it's, a, it's a limited drug unit, and I had, you know, I had the ability to get a landowner tag there um, a couple times, whether it was an elk tag or a deer tag, 
And when I first started hunting that unit, you used to be able to draw, and you, you could draw on one point, and then it went to two points. And now you have to have, I think it's four points this year to draw that unit. So unfortunately, it's not one of these situations where you can get into every year. And then a few years ago, uh, Colorado changed their landowner tag allotment in order to put more tags into the lottery for other people. I believe that's what was the reasoning. So um, that sort of dried up our landowner tag opportunity because there were people that had, you know, better relationships with these couple of landowners. And I tried to get one this year, but, uh, but I, but I wasn't able to, it's funny because right when you called, I was actually just logging into the hunting fool, uh, landowner tag website to see, cause I just got a notification that some new tags went up. So, um, uh, so to, the long answer to your question is, no, I'm, I'll be hunting a different OTC unit this year. I was actually out in Colorado last week. We did a little, little antelope hunting, a little work, and then a little bit of elk scouting. So, um, you know, trying to figure out that unit. Most of the time uh, I was in that unit, I was running roads just trying to figure out how to navigate some of the stuff and what was passable because, you know, some of those forest service roads, uh, they're pretty tricky. Right. So, right. Yeah. That's so, more balls and brain. <laughs> is this, uh, is this a new unit that you've never hunted before this year? This is a new unit that I've never hunted before. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So when you were out there scouting, did you see anything? I saw lots of mule deer. I did not see any elk. This one timbered pretty much as high as I could get. So I yeah. did, I did not see any elk, but you know, I mean, realistically, I, I rely so much on their vocalization and using that to get in on them or, you yeah. know, getting up high. Last year, I went out a little earlier than I did this year. Same type of thing, except for I didn't antelope hunt. I went out and I did some work and my sister was there. So I went and I visited with her um, and then did and went scouting for a few days. And I saw elk and, you know all these areas and whatever else. And then come September when we went back, which was only like five weeks after I had been there, I went to a lot of those areas and it, there was, there was no elk in any of those spots. So, right. uh, you know, a lot of times they'll stay in those calving areas or, or whatever, but it just so happened that I don't know if it was because of the muzzleloader pressure or other bow hunting pressure, or they had just moved on. They just, they weren't in those spots last year. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't get super hung up on whether or not I see stuff. Obviously, it's always great. It's a good starting point, but I'm just really working my maps right now and try to try to find those spots that look like they might hold elk and um, and then go from there. It's, it's a constant learning experience. I, I feel like when it comes to hunting, I'm, I'll never, I'll never be an expert. That's for sure. I just, it doesn't matter what species. I mean, I can literally hunt whitetails right in my backyard, and you know deer still blow my mind it's right. just like oh okay wow they did that so absolutely all right so you mentioned you went antelope hunting did you were you successful out there did you see anything any close calls yeah definitely some close calls spot and stock antelope is i can now say the most challenging hunting i've ever done you know long shots on small targets really small <laughs> for me and uh, it, we'll, we'll just we'll just say it was humbling, right? Right. <laughs> very very Did humbling. You, so I take it you missed. Oh yeah, like a okay, pro, like a okay. champ. Yeah. <laughs> like I was really good at 
dude, those things are like the Matrix, man. I, I, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say how far two of the shots were, but like, dude, uh, the arrow wasn't even like it was crazy. I shot, and next thing I know, I'm like, oh, that guy smoked, and they're like, no, 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 it's like Chevy Chase, you know, like completely out, really, completely out of the way, gone. Just so, one step over, like they knew that the arrow was coming. Well, right. Yeah, it just blew my. I mean, I've hunted antelope before over you know water and stuff out of a blind. Never, never had done you know formal spot and stock hunting. Right. And like I said, it was an, it was an eye opener. And I'm I'm like a total Nancy about snakes. So you know you know out in the prairie you got to worry about rattlesnakes and stuff. So you know again me being a Nancy, I'm I, I'm like <laughs> probably not getting down as low as I need to get and doing whatever because. I'm just like, in my luck, I'm going to get bit like in the eyebrow by a <laughs> by a giant rattlesnake, and you know, my friends gonna have to drag my body out of the prairie. So yeah, oh, man. but it, I only had two days. The way things ended up working out, because they ended up where I was hunting, they ended up getting a lot of rain over the course of the last couple of weeks. Yeah. So all those goats that were hitting water, <clears throat> they had water everywhere. So they, you know, you, there'd be like a cow hoof print that'd be filled with two inches of water and they can just drink out of that so we pretty much got i don't want to say forced to do spot and stock but it was the better way to go and i sat water one morning but other than that you know like i said i just i only had the two days so it was one afternoon one full day and then another morning i I wish i could have stuck around for a few more days but uh i've just been on the road quite a bit recently so did you use a decoy keep peace at home you know, at first we weren't going to use a decoy, but we ended up using it because we did have the bucks that were alone were, were, you know, responding to it. I mean, they weren't doing the, I guess, you know, they'll run in like crazy, uh, during the rut and they're, they're just not there yet. We, we saw right. some that were, you know, messing around with those, you know, much like our white tails will do, you know, that mid October time frame. they're interested, right. but not going crazy. Um, but yeah, we did use a decoy. That was pretty fun because because you, you can move on them. And, you know, they're distracted yeah. by that thing, which was really cool. I, I I often wondered like if we had one of the cow silhouettes, if that would have helped us. Just you know, kind of looked a little bit different because there were some cattle, uh, you know, where we were, um, right, in a couple of the spots. So, but the tag is still good through September twentieth. So you know, if I can grab another day on each end of my elk hunt or whatever, um, you know, I might try and get get one more crack at it so we'll see gotcha what yeah. uh what uh days are you going to be out there for the uh for elk hunting well man that all depends upon what my wife is going to let me do oh um, yeah we got that <laughs> yep i know yeah, all about so, that so last year you know the tag yeah you know all about that with a baby on the way that's a totally different situation all right so so last year you know it took me five so the year before my wife had uh cancer so I had to surrender. I drew the tag and I had to surrender it. And hey, no big deal. That's the way it goes. You know, obviously I need to be around to to support her and whatever else. And um, yep. so when I drew the tag the following year, um, you know, I was, I was really excited and I'm like, you know, hey Heather, I want to I want to go to Colorado for for two weeks. And she's like, no, we've got two kids, dude. <laughs> okay hang on i gotta interrupt a second because when we were when we were talking and i i do this i am so guilty of this too you know how men sometimes 
uh, talk about their wives and they're like, yeah, I gave up, uh, I gave up a hunting, you know, this for, for my wife or whatever. And, and, or like for me, I'm like, yeah, I gave up last year's or elk trip for my wife, or I gave up this for my wife. And you're talking really big and you're like, man, what she doesn't know is the next time I'm going to go out there for two, three weeks straight. I'm going to, you know, be out there the whole time. And then it's just like, no, you're not. And then you're like, <laughs> oh man, oh shucks, like some little kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kick the dirt, <laughs> stupid girl. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm like, hey, I'm going to go for two weeks, and she's like, well, what are the dates? You know, and, and I tell her the date. She's like, dude, that's 16 days. That's not two weeks. <laughs> right. You tried so, to pull the fast one. On yeah, her. yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, you know, she's got to look at the calendar. <laughs> so she's like, no, you, you have 10 days. And, and and mind you, my wife is ridiculously tolerant. Like, yeah. I mean, just, she's rad. Right. Uh, she's like, no, you have, you have 10 days. And I was like, no, 10 days isn't going to cut it. I'd wait five years for this tag. I'm like, no, no, not 10 days. She's like, you have 10 days. I'm like, no, 14. <laughs> and she's like, no, you have 10. And I'm like, no, I, I've got 14. 12 and, and a half. <laughs> I'm like, you don't owe me, you know. And so, so, so we negotiated. And we ended up. I was. I was. I was granted permission for for twelve days to to go away for twelve days. Wow. And so, what that cost uh, you? Oh man, back rubs. Lots of oh, back rubs. Lots of back yeah. rubs. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. That's the, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it cost me in other ways too. I just have like cold. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that you know there's new shoes that I'm just unaware of and those right. kinds of things. So right. I. Uh, I certainly lost, but, uh, no. So, you know, went for 12 days and, uh, and it was great. I mean, we, we, we had, we had a great hunt and, you know, um, had some, I, I never got to lose an arrow, but the two guys that I was with both had shots and, um, you know, we had some agonizing misses and I, I did come to full draw once and, um, yeah, just, that was, you know, never, never got to, uh, let an arrow fly, but it, you know, it's just for me, man, being a guy from the East, um, I've always wanted to move West and I, you know, even still now, I mean, again, I, I mean, I literally just got home yesterday and I'm like, okay, can I go back now? And, right. um, when I met my wife, she was from here and she wanted to stick around here cause she had family. And then my family moved up here when we had kids and whatever else so we're sort of rooted now. But, uh, you know, once I, once I started chasing those critters in the West, it was just like, Oh my gosh, it's so great. You know, it's just, right. just, just, just how big everything is and all that room to roam. And just, um, just when you hear elk do their thing and watch them do their thing, it's just, it's so intense. Uh, I just, I have a hard time even articulating it. And it's, I just get giddy thinking about it. And I just look forward to it so much all year. And it's like, in a lot of ways, just, and I know a lot of people say this, but it's really redefined how I look at everything. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's it's hard for me to be like, yeah, I'm an elk hunter because there are people that, you know, like Corey Jacobs, that guy's an elk hunter, you know, yeah. and, 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 and uh, guys like that. But, uh, you know, but I sure like trying. So, right. you know, I can't I can say I'm a whitetail hunter. That's fair. You know? Yeah. So. Okay. Well, speaking, <laughs> speaking of, uh, you know, God, I got. I have like so many questions that I, I got popping through my head. But New York, right now, when people yeah. say, "Hey, let's talk, let's talk big bucks, let's talk awesome, uh, awesome 
whitetail hunting, New York really doesn't come up in the conversation. Uh, but when you talk about uh, small deer, high pressure, New York, Pennsylvania, you know, those states come up in the conversation. So yeah. when you started, I mean, you've lived there. You have Did you live in New York your entire life, and is that where you started hunting? No, it gets worse, Dan. I grew up in New Jersey. New Jersey. Oh, yeah, I actually grew up in the northwest corner of New Jersey in Sussex County, which is actually really rural. Um, it's, it's, it's where this, there's a couple of ski areas in New Jersey and I grew up not far from those ski areas and I worked there. We had a ton of public land and I had permission, you know, there was back then there was a fair amount of ag going on in the valleys where, where I lived. And, um, you know, we, as kids, we had permission to hunt a lot of stuff because the farmers in those days, they didn't care. You know, you'd walk up to their door, you had the stones to walk up and ask for permission. They generally said yes. Now, there were a couple of gun clubs in the area that had some ground leased up and whatever else, but there were plenty of other places that we could go and, you know, get permission to go and hunt stuff. So, you know, myself and a couple of guys that I went to high school with that hunted, we, you know, we, we could roam a lot and, and we loved it, you know, outside of doing sports and stuff. That's, that's sort of what we did was hunt and fish. And it was cool because my dad, who's you know like most people was the one that got me involved and i just took to it and uh you know so much so that i've chosen it as my career path in a lot of ways but um i grew up there but in in 96 i came to rochester to go to school to go to college and so i've been here since 96 and uh you know started hunting up here once i moved here you know same deal public ground at first and then was able to gain permission on some stuff you know, that type of deal. So that's, right. uh, and you're, you're right on the, a big lake, right? So, and, but you're also right in a, uh, you know, a city center, basically a, a higher populated area. Is it, what's the deer hunting like where you hunt in New York? All right. So, so where my house is, is a suburb of Rochester. So I'm like maybe 15 minutes from being in downtown Rochester, which I, and by the same token, I could be at the lake, which is Lake Ontario, another five minutes longer, and I could be standing on the lake shore. So go fish right. or whatever. Um, and if we were to go the other way, another uh, between 10 minutes, because I have a little piece of ground that's only about 10 minutes from my, my house that I can hunt on, because it's, it's pretty you know, being right in that suburb, there's, there's ag within a few minutes. And then, um, and then where my, my primary ground that we hunt is about 30 minutes from the house. And the hunting here is what we would refer to, I guess, eh, probably similar to Iowa. You, actually, your, your ag is probably more expansive, but, um, it's broken ag ground. You know, it's got little blocks of timber in, in some spots and hedgerows and, little hardwood draws and then you know in other spots it's bigger blocks of timber and you know and then in other spots it's just huge fields it all just depends on what's tillable and, and what's not in that particular area so and uh you know it's funny you said how people think about big buck state you know new york doesn't really come to mind i mean i've seen a lot of these top 10 worst states to deer hunt in and new york right. is always like in the top three <laughs> you know and right. i think for I think in a lot of ways, you know, that's true, but 
having been here and hunted here for you know, 20 years plus, uh, going on 21 years, um, I've seen it really improve uh, from the standpoint of of quality of game. I don't right. know that we have the uh, quantity of game that we did when I first started hunting here. I think that can be said for a lot of places, but right. the, the size of the deer that people are taking, especially in this region sort of on the lake plain is is really impressive and they're you know they're nothing to block at i mean you know i i mean it all depends upon what your goals are you know i think in this day and age a lot of people they look at 140 inch deer and they're just like yeah whatever you know it doesn't really get them so excited but there's still plenty of us that 140 inch deer walked by and we're, we're you know super giddy and and that's a it's a great animal for me, I have a hard time passing up a deer that big in any state in the game. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a good deer, and, and it's, you know, it's really about a, having a good quality a quality experience. And, you know, anymore, I really like sharing those experiences with other people, whether it's the guys I hunt with or my dad or, you know, these days I'm, I'm bringing my kids um, when the weather's good and it works for them. You know, I get my girls in the blind. Um, and, and, you know, one of my most memorable hunts was with my 10 year old a few years back, we were trying to kill this one deer and we, we ended up not killing him, but, uh, he, he came in and we were so close. And that little girl talks about that experience all the time. She's like, dad, remember when we almost killed that 10 point, you know, that full draw, <laughs> full draw and everything. And just, just made the slightest little noise and it was just a really still day and he just turned inside out went the other direction but we had him at like i don't know five yards you know right. it's just uh it was just awesome you know and to be able to share that with her mm-hmm. i mean it's definitely to date one of like i said one of my most memorable memorable hunts uh, it's cool yeah. and, I, and i hope for her it burns something into her memory that will will get her interested right right so speaking of memorable moments um, throughout your hunting career, talk to me because you've you've hunted other states now. I know you've hunted Iowa a handful of times, right? Uh, you've hunted. Uh, I know you've hunted some other states for whitetails, but mm-hmm. talk to me about the very first out of state hunt that maybe you were really excited for because you knew that that state or that location offered something bigger than what New York has ever offered you. <laughs> well, uh, the, the, the truth of that story is it's sort of, it's sort of funny and, uh, you know, I'll expose a little underbelly here. So I was probably like a junior in college and, uh, and I had been dating this girl for like a really long time. You know, I really liked that girl. I really loved that girl. We broke up, and I was, like, devastated, you know. And, <laughs> ah, man, I was a mess. I, like, I didn't know, I, you know, I was, I was just a mess. And oh, yeah. I remember my mom, my mom was like, hey, you know, this has been a really rough year for you. I think I had a friend die that year, too, earlier in the year. It was just, it was just, it was just sort of a hard, hard year, you know. And uh, right. my, my mom said, you know, me and dad want to get you something for Christmas that, you know, that you really want to do whatever, or that, you know, whatever, what, you know, you have anything in mind. And I was like, man, I'd re- I just need to clear my head. I'd really like to, I'd really like to go on a deer hunt somewhere else. And I was like, okay, you know, 
or try and try and find something that you can go do. Just keep it, you know, don't go crazy because at that time, I mean, you could still do deer hunts pretty reasonable. So, yeah. so I found this, I found this place in, uh, in South Carolina and it was called the Bostic Plantation. And they all, they offer this archery only section on this place. And you go on your, you go to their website and they, you know, they talk about, you know, South Carolina, you can kill, I think at that time you can kill like a, buck a day or something like that or something crazy yeah. and i'd never shot anything big at that point i think my i think my biggest deer was like a you know like a 14 inch wide five point you know and, um so anyway so uh i find this place and i've done some other research and stuff was like way out of the budget you know it was like right way more than my parents were going to be able to swing and um you know so i figured i didn't know anything about trophy deer or anything at that point and plus it was like it was short notice and i was going to be going in oh gosh it's probably it was either late november or early december sometimes during college a break i had from college so i called this place asked them a handful of questions you know that i'd probably read in an article from buckmasters or something and uh you know they seemed it seemed reasonable and i can't remember how much the hunt cost but it wasn't it wasn't that much and i think it was a little over what my parents budget was so i I sort of paid for part of it and I went down there and I think I felt like, like two does and a spike and heard some hogs and saw like the world's biggest turkey, you know, and this and, was an uh, outfitter, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and I don't, who, who knows? I mean, I've never hunted there again and, and, and have since come to learn like, you know, South Carolina is not really known for their trophy quality, you know? So, <laughs> right, right. um, so I've done a lot of learning since then, but, um, yeah, so that was like my first out of state hunt at, other than when I moved to New York from New Jersey, it, you know, right. I never, I just hunting those two States, I guess that counts, but, uh, it's my first sort of destination hunt. And then since then I've been fortunate enough to go to a bunch of different places and, you know, had some success in some and some failures in others, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's always cool no matter where you go because you get to experience these different cultures and these different people. And that particular hunt, man, I met, I met some folks from Alabama and Florida and well, I met some guys from Pennsylvania and, you know, it's sort of neat to all be under the same roof doing the same thing in pursuit of deer and, and just hear people's different stories and their, their careers, you know, guys in camp that were just, they were farmers. You know, and then there were other, there was these other two guys, if I remember, they worked for some railroad and, and they were, they were really well off being driving a big old Cadillac truck and whatever else. And it was just this real divert. And here I am just some poor college kid, you know, down there by himself eating tuna fish out of a can. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I can afford, you know, I drove down there 15 hours, you know, was just uh you know because that that package didn't include meals it was just you know it was just you had a fend for yourself right. so right. it was uh it was sort of funny so yeah, yeah. my my first uh trip western trip well kind of western trip i went to nebraska and uh hunted mule deer and antelope and in order to make the trip work like I, I came down to like the ten dollar mark right so it's like okay i don't have any flex in this budget because I, I get there, I got to get gas, you know, I got to make sure, um, I got my hunting license, my equipment is all in check. So when it came to food, it was 
four or five days worth of white bread, mayonnaise, and ham loaf. And I don't know if you know what <laughs> ham loaf is, but it is like processed ham with cheese mixed in it. Oh, and it's not, I mean, you know, when you're eating it two meals a day and then for breakfast, you have like a, a Walmart granola bar after, after a while it takes its toll on you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can imagine your stomach was happy. Oh shit. I remember. Yeah, getting, yeah, exactly. I, I remember getting the gurgles. Uh, you know, I was I was watching a herd of antelope, and I remember getting the gurgles, and I'm like, I'm not even going to be able to stalk these until it happens. So I had to go back behind this little hill, take care of business, and by the time I came back, they had moved on, and and so I vowed that day to work as hard as humanly possible so that the next hunt that I go on out west, I don't have to eat ham loaf. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, that makes sense. That, it's the, it's the little things. Well, and I kind of back to what I was saying about stuff reshaping, you know, what you do, and that's a perfect example of that. You know that that experience reshaped your your future pursuits and how you worked and what you were working toward. And I think all too often people forget about those experiences and how much they mean. Because right. it, it's it's really neat to, to be able to you know look back at that you know defining moment and go yep <laughs> I didn't I didn't want to live on Hamlo anymore <laughs> absolutely now yeah. let's let's talk about let's expand on that a little bit um, Hamlo of... <laughs> I could talk for hours uh, no but of of. All the other, and I'm talking whitetail here, of all sure. the other whitetail states that you've been out, been hunting in, outside of New York, what is your favorite whitetail state to go hunt in? Such an unfair question, because... Why is that unfair? Well, because they're all cool in one way or another. Last year, I hunted um, South Dakota for the first time, and... Right. Where, where I hunted South Dakota, I didn't see any really huge deer, you know, but man, I could, I, could, I mean, the amount of deer that I saw was incredible. And it's just one of those things where you're like, ah, oh, man, if I could have, if I could have had another two days, like one of those suckers would have walked past me. I mean, we just didn't have a chance at, at anything that, you know, was, was, was big enough, but, uh, you just. You just look at it you're like, holy crap! There are so many deer in this place. It was just, it was unbelievable. I mean, right. from from the standpoint of like big deer, I, you know, your home state is just, it's it's so hard to beat. You know, yeah. it's so hard hard to beat. Um, you know, I killed my biggest buck in in Iowa, and uh, you know, and it was it was a rather quick hunt and, and whatever else. But um, I think it just all depends upon the time of year know where your frame of mind is i mean you know if you ask me oh where's the best place you know to go in january i'm like dude texas <laughs> yeah. you know let's let's get there you know because you can shoot hogs too which is uh, super fun but um you know i think they're all great you know being in colorado last week talking to people about whitetail hunting there i think that's one of those places that people sort of overlook because it's so it's so overshadowed by you know elk and, and mule deer and antelope but colorado's got some great whitetail hunting in certain areas yeah. right. and so i haven't had 
the opportunity to do that. Um, but I, it's definitely something on my list of places that I want to, I want to give a shot. So, um, but I, you know, for me anymore, especially given, you know, again, the family situation of a couple of years ago, like I just want to hunt at home so I can kind of be on my own schedule and my own agenda and, you know, sleep in my own bed and eat my own food and hang out with my, my wife and my kids at night. And, um, you know, sort of save the out-of-town pursuits for, for the stuff that I, I don't have here, you know. Absolutely. Will I whitetail hunt in other places? Yeah, absolutely, for sure. But, like, this year I don't have any any whitetail hunts other than um, other than here at home. Um, I'm just, I kind of leave my out-of-pocket time to go and, you know, chase elk and, you know, chase antelope. So that's, uh, I'd, I'd rather do that sort of a right. order of magnitude on, on, my out-of-pocket time right absolutely makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. um now bucket list let's talk bucket list a second um because i know you mentioned that man when we talked to the ata show we had i mean we had like a one of those uh if i have another beer i should probably go to bed type conversations and one of them <laughs> was <laughs> one of them was uh, about bucket list hunts what is what are some bucket list hunts that you want to go on before you get too old? Hmm. Do you do you think about stuff like that? You know, man, I I do, but I, I sort of I'm one of those people where if I I set my sights on something, I don't really dream about it I, because right. it's just I just again, sort of back to the way I've formed my, my life and with how supportive my wife is and that type of stuff. If I, if I say like, okay, I'd really like to hunt sheep this particular year or whatever. Like if I set my sights on it, like I'm going to go do it. Um, and I think that's what really differentiates some of these people because you have to figure out how to make your dream a reality. And that's not just with hunting. That's with, with everything. If you, you know, I just, I just, I just read this book and, uh, you know, the guy just talked about how, you know, it's about deliberate practice basically and how deliberate practice gets you where, where you want to be. And if we all sort of utilize deliberate practice, the society as a whole would be better, you know? And, uh, and so, bucket list stuff i mean you know i'd I'd love to hunt moose specifically where uh, i don't know wherever they're big they're big in new brunswick you know they're 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 big in alaska they're big in the yukon i mean so i think a lot of it comes down to well what will my budget allow because i'm one of those people where i don't want to blow my whole wad like trying to do one really big one um i'd rather look for like a really good quality uh, experience with, with good, a good quality opportunity at game, you know, somewhere that's reasonable. So that way, you know, I can, I can accumulate multiple experiences. That's, you know, that's one of those things where it's a, it's a, it's a double-edged sword because, you know, you, you can maybe end up making a bad decision and, and burning a bunch of a cash on a, on a hunt that if you're gone and hunted, you know, in the Yukon with a really well-known outfitter and spent the 20,000 bucks, you know, it probably would have happened or whatever. But, uh, right. you know, I think that's one of those things, like, 
I mean, I'm always going to be smitten with whitetails. So they just, they're just, they're just jerks, but they're just, yeah. they're lovable jerks. And they're just so challenging. And it's just such a chess match all the time that, you know, there'll, there'll always be some whitetail on, on my, on my agenda. Um, you know, I got a bunch of points in Iowa at this point, uh, two or three. So I'll, I'll come back to Iowa in the next few years and, you know, obviously Illinois is always open, and I'd love to do the South Dakota thing again. I guess that's an easy OTC tag. There's lots of public ground. There's lease opportunities. There's there's just so much opportunity out there. And unlike New York, it's not like you you know you gotta scramble to find a piece of piece of ground to hunt on, or Pennsylvania, or a lot of these other places. So, um, you know, and, and there's stuff like that, of course. But um, it's one of the things. So I think one of the things that I'm really starting to try and decide right now is whether or not sheep is realistic, both from trying to draw um, to this really hard as a non-res in the lower 48, uh, you know, cause I'm behind the eight ball at this point. Right. And then, you know, some of the hunts in other places that are just, just really expensive. And I just kind of look at it and I'm like, you know, I can put that money into my retirement account or, whatever, you know, go do these other hunts. So right. I guess it's one of those things where you just kind of back to your, your hand loaf. You, you, you decide <laughs> I'm going to work, I'm going to work a lot harder and save up for that, you know, that whatever X, Y, Z hunt. So, I mean, I, for me, I just really like the DIY elk thing and I really like DIY mule deer. Yeah. Um, for, for whitetails, that's cool too, but sometimes I just like to, be able to go to a place and show up and have somebody else be like, yeah, go sit over there, <laughs> you know, because right. you do it at home on your own. So, um, but, uh, I guess I'd say sheep is probably high on the list. So, yeah. um, but I, but again, it's one of those things like back to my snake thing, you know, am I too much of a Nancy to do all that? I don't know. You know, do I have the fitness? Do I, you know, can I, could I handle the, you know, the, the, the danger and those types of things? Again, that's one of those things I'm trying to look at and go, uh, is it realistic? I don't know. Maybe. But I, I like if I decide I'm going to do it, then I'll be committed to it. And then I'll yeah. put all the pieces in place financially, physically, mentally, you know, shooting wise, all that type of right. stuff. And, you know, whatever yeah. else. What about you? You have a bucket yeah. list? I mean, yeah, I definitely have a bucket list. I I'm, I was just going to ask you, do you make lists? Because I'm looking at a list right now uh, that I have in my office. You know, it's goals to shoot for, and on there are some hunts I want to I want to go. Uh, I, I definitely want to go do a Yukon hunt of some, you know, for a, a woodland caribou or a moose. Right, that stuff you see on Shockey, uh, yeah, un, Uncharted. That kind of that kind of stuff. Like for me. Uh, I'm not interested in going to Africa at all at this yeah. point in my life uh, because there's too much stuff in uh, North America to go hunt. Uh, obviously, I haven't killed an elk yet. I haven't killed a mule deer. Uh, I definitely want to do a high country mule deer hunt. Um, mm-hmm. I would have to definitely lose some weight and get into uh, shape for that. And, and the reason I think about stuff like this is because I've had two knee surgeries, right? I'm 36. You know, 40, you know, I I got a window, I'm going to say, of probably 10, 15 years at most to get, you know, depending on how well I take care of myself in that period of time, 
before some of the hunts that I really want to go on in life are not realistic anymore just because of my age and, you know, like shitty knees. So, man, I think, I think that's a realistic thing to keep your eye on. But uh, again, age is a state of mind. Right. And, and, and really, I think that's true. I mean, being, you know, being a, being a, uh, it's hard to call myself a distance runner, but I'm a distance runner. Right. And, uh, I just watch what some of these guys are capable of in their forties, fifties, sixties, seventies. There's even a guy locally here that's well into his eighties. That's still running. And back to that book that I was just talking about, I mean, they were talking about this, this one gentleman who, who set, uh, like, I don't know, I think it was nine different records at over a hundred years old, you know, in the, in the marathon and the hundred meter, and that, you know, into this and that. It's just, so I think if you put your mind to any of those things, you already have a le- leg up on the, to, to the accessibility to make it happen from a physical standpoint. Obviously right. there's unforeseeable things that we, we just, you know, you could, you could get into an accident or you could, you, you know, you could twist, you blow out your knee. I mean, there's always, you know, you've already had a couple of surgeries and, and, and that you have to contend with. But if you, if you generally are like trying to take care of yourself and that type of stuff, I mean, I think your longevity could be great. And and I have a, an example of that. You know, when we were in Colorado last year, we ran into this guy that was in his mid sixties and he was stomping around the same stuff as, you know, as, as we were. And I was just like, you know what, man, that's like, that's like super inspiring because you're out here and, and you're, and you're crushing it. And there's, there are so many people that are actually like that. And it's just because, you know, they sort of made it their resolve and, you know, my, my, my goal is to move to Colorado once my kids are out of school. Well, I'm going to be, you know, I, I still got a dozen years before that happens. I'm going to be in my 50s, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. and I just look at that and I'm like, preservation, man. You know, if, that, if that's the goal, you know, keep it up because, right. you know, if, if there's no sense in going there if you can't take advantage and enjoy all the, the reasons why you want to go. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I think um, a lot of my goals – you know, like the the bucket list of hunts that comes second. Like, obviously, I I want to do something with this podcast or with my life in general that gets me out of my my cubicle and gets me into a position where I can my time is more flexible and it would allow me to do some of these things as opposed to you know I can't go on a thirty day moose you know hunt in the Yukon because I don't have 30 days worth of vacation. You know what I mean? And there's no way in hell that my wife would allow me to go on a 30 day moose hunt right now with, you know, two and a half kids. For sure. For sure. Yeah. That's just, well, I thought you and I talked about that the other day when we were texting back and forth, you know, I was like, well, what's the, what's the goal with this, with this thing? And I mean, that's, you know, again, I reference books a lot, but like, yeah. you know, um, you know, there, there's a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and, and one of the habits is begin with the end in mind. So what's, you know, what what are you working toward? And define that and then backfill everything leading up to that. And that's, that's how you, that's how you get there. So, right. right. You know, goals are really important. I mean, it's easy to be, it's easy to sit down and 
it's not easy to sit down and execute, but it's great to sit down and execute, but you have to know what, what you're executing and why you're doing it. And, and I feel like that clarity and that, that brevity is really great for everything that we do in life. And hey, again, for me, because of our, my, my wife's situation with her health a couple of years back, I mean, that was a total perspective changer and a total eye opener. And it made me really put different value on, on different things that perhaps I didn't, I had, I, I, they, I valued them previously, but probably Absolutely. not to the level that I should have. Or, you know, again, it just was a big change in my perspective. And it's really hard to say like, oh yeah, I'm grateful my, my wife got cancer. But at the same time, um, I'm grateful my wife got cancer because it changed, it changed her, it changed me, it changed our kids, it changed our entire family, and it changed our perspective and everything for the better. So, um, let me talk to you. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I want to talk, I want to expand on that uh, a little bit because when, as, as hardcore hunters, right? I, I, I say this every once in a while. I say, especially if you're a bow hunter. You know, bow hunting is a selfish sport because you have to dedicate a ton of time. Uh, if, if you're hunting like me, you know, you have – you don't lease a property. You don't own a property. You're – I have permission or guys like me are hunting public ground. You have to put in a lot of time uh, to accomplish a goal, especially if that goal is like kind of what my goals are and that's like say a mature buck. Now, I put – there's – I almost feel like there's portions of – the year where I, my wife and kids take a back seat because I'm grinding in the timber. Now your wife got cancer. I'm sure it was scary for you. Uh, she, she came out on top. Did, did your view of what it takes to be a successful hunter from like the grindage standpoint change after all that? Totally. So I, so again, sort of, Prior to going to the outdoor group, working for myself, I was one of these people that if, if, it, if it made sense and it was doable, I pretty much bow hunted every day. Every day the right. season was open. Right. And, you know, there were some exceptions where I had a heavy workload or the weather wasn't favorable or it was too warm or whatever. Right. But, you know, when I went to the outdoor group, that changed because obviously I had, I had responsibilities and I had, you know, people direct reports and that, you know, if I'm not in the office, what example does that set for them? So, you know, we sort of shifted schedules and, you know, made it so it, it, it could work, but I, I didn't hunt every day. And then when Heather got sick, it was just it, bow hunting mattered, hunting mattered, but it didn't, it didn't, it didn't matter at the same level. And, um, I mean, I got out that year, a fair amount, but not what I normally would just because she, you know, she would get chemo on, she would get chemo every other Wednesday and her chemo started on September. I want to say it was 20, either 28th or 24th. I, I should really have that date committed to memory anyway. And it ran through December. And so, um, she, she would get chemo and then she would feel okay the day of chemo. And then by, like on Wednesday and then Thursday she'd feel a little bit worse. And then by Friday she'd feel really crummy. Yeah. And then Saturday she'd feel 
she'd feel crummy, but by midday on Saturday, she'd start to come out of it. And then Sunday, she'd feel a little bit better. And then Monday, you know, she'd be back to kind of the new normal at that point. And so, you know, when she was sort of feeling crummy, she just wanted to be alone. So it was my parents would take the kids the weekends, and then I would usually just hang with her Saturday mornings and then, you know, try and hunt Saturday afternoon if she was feeling okay. And then, uh, you know, grab what I could on Sunday, depending upon how she was feeling. And then on the opposing weeks when she didn't have treatment, she generally felt pretty good. So, you know, I could, I could do a little bit more on those weeks and, you know, sort of manage my work schedule or whatever. But, um, it just, it didn't, it didn't Did matter. You feel guilty much. going out. Part of me felt guilty. Yeah. yeah. But, but at the same time, Dan, like between, between like everything that was going on at work and like our workload that time of year, because we're preparing for ATA and whatever else, and then yeah. having to sort of go through what, um, you know, me- mentally you deal with at that point. Like I just needed that. I needed that, that downtime, you know, just, right. just, just, just uninterrupted and unadulterated and, you know, oftentimes, and I never do this, I would like totally shut my phone off. But even that was sort of dicey because if she wasn't feeling well, I needed to be able to be in contact with her. Right. Um, you know, she needed me to come home or whatever. And that never ended up happening. But, um, you know, who knows? I don't have a crystal ball. So, but yeah, I did, there were times where I felt guilty because here I am out sort of doing my thing. And, you know, she's, you know, they're putting this shit in her body, you know, bringing you to the edge of death because that's the yeah. only way they can cure that stuff. And, you know, it's just, it's really, it's really a surreal thing. And I was listening to, um, I don't know if you ever listened to Ryan and Hillary Lampers podcast, uh, you know, and, uh, hunt harvest health. And, uh, I think Brian call from Gritty Bowman was, was interviewing them. And Brian was talking about his, experience with with his wife and Hillary was saying like you know having somebody go through cancer is one of the most stressful things that you can go through and uh I can say like for me like I totally I don't think I got it out of my head until just recently and it's been a couple of years you know and uh and it's not even that it's out of my head it's just it's not it's just not that same weight sitting on you like it like it was and Gosh, this is such. I'm really turning this into a Debbie Downer thing. Um, But you know, it's just it's just one of those things where, what you know, again, back to what we were saying. What what's your priority? Well, my priority was with my wife and my kids, and and at the same time, you got to put a little bit of yourself into that priority. So you know, I was I was fortunate that year, and that I you know I was able to. I was able to kill, you know, a, a good deer here at home pretty early and uh, amidst crummy weather um, on Halloween. And then I still took my kids trick-or-treating that afternoon. And, and, and we, we tried to maintain the highest level of normalcy as we possibly could in our household because the, the last thing that we wanted was for our children to have this enormous life disruption. And then later on down the road, you know, have this, like, massive blow up on you know why are you why are why are you doing these things oh it's because when mom had cancer when i was eight or you know and and my and my life got totally upended like we didn't we didn't want that so we 
really worked hard. And for, I think Heather worked hardest because obviously she was the one who was, was dealing with the most. And she was like, dude, she was a champ. I mean, she, she took it on. It was, it was incredible. Like, like for me, it was just, it was inspiring. So I kind of go back to what I was saying about, I've always been really goal oriented, either like in business or as an athlete or, you know, even as a friend, you know, and I've, I've really, I mean, you see, like, you, you reach out to me, like, bam, I'm on it, you know, and, and, um, <laughs> yeah, that's you know, a fact. Just, yeah. So I just, those, those things are important to me. So I just, uh, I maintained that, that level, but like, she was just an inspiration to, to take it to like a whole nother level, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes we, I think we all think like, I don't have another level, but there's always, there's always more, you know, there's, there's always more time. There's always, you know, there's always more opportunities and you just have to change things in order to do it. And that's how we made it through that and how I was sort of still able to pursue my stuff and with, with her blessing. <laughs> right. You know? Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Well, that's yeah. cool, man. I'm, I'm glad everything worked out the way it did. And, you know, I think that brings a, an appreciation of not just necessarily hunting, but life in general. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because I mean, who cares? You right. know, like it's just what, I mean, you know, you said you were 36 earlier. And look at how fast the last 36 years have probably gone for you, you know, and, yeah. and look at how fast your kids are growing up and, and that type of stuff. And, you know, if you, <clears throat> if you're fortunate to live to 80, 90, a hundred, I just keep looking at that and I, and I go, my personally, my life feels like it's accelerating at this point oh, yeah. and it goes by so quickly. It's like, you gotta, you gotta just take every opportunity that you can. And, you know, if that means, you know, to go and travel and hunt whitetails or elk or whatever somewhere else or, 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 you know, grab four days and have a beach vacation or, you know, you get a really cool trip offered to you at a really great price. Like you can find so many excuses not to do things, but all you need to find is one reason to do it. And that's, that's the biggest thing. And you just need to focus on that, on that one reason and just get after it. And, and just pursue it to the, to the best that you can. And, and, and it's easy for me to say that, but like every day I have to try hard to stay focused on whatever it is, you know what I mean? And, right. and correct myself. And, but like, dude, I, I mean, I've like tried to be so involved in, in my kids' lives, you know, and, and I just, I, I watch so many people that just, just float through everything that they're doing. And, and if that's their progress, Hey man, that's cool. I, you know, yeah. that's, that's their agenda. But for me, I just want to, I want to dive into everything that I do. And, you know, I think kids is like having kids was, it's the biggest job I've ever been given and I want to do it really right. And so, mm-hmm. you know, with, with marriage really close to that, it is not at the same level. Like, so those in my life order of magnitude, you know, as far as work is concerned, because that's work. <laughs> yeah. Like that's my top priority. You know, right, I, absolutely. I, I, I want to make sure that I invest as much as I can into that stuff. And then, you know, sort of, if I do that right, then 
hopefully everything else falls into place. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, <laughs> and I'm, I, I'm laughing because the original question that I was going to ask you before we started all of this, and then it turned into, in my opinion, a really, really good podcast was because, because before we started recording, we're like, what are, what are we going to talk about? Well, let's talk about your top five favorite movies of all time. And you're like, well, this is a hunting podcast. And I'm like, fuck it. It's my podcast and I'll do whatever I want to do on it. So that's what I want to talk about to close this podcast out. And that is, I want to talk about our top five or they don't even have to be in order, but some of your favorite movies of all time. Dude. I can't, it's so, it's so hard to answer that question. Like I was saying earlier and you rattled off a couple of good ones while we were talking. But for me, I come back to like a lot of comedies, right? So it's almost right. like you have to segment that by genre. Like, well, right. what's your favorite drama? I don't know. I don't watch drama. So that's my wife makes me. Yeah. Off the table. But like, but like, you know, I feel like during, during the, Oh gosh, man! Like it's funny. In my office here, I have a, <laughs> I have a, a picture of Blue from from uh, from uh, <laughs> old school. Yep. And that buddy of mine, a buddy of mine, Scott Fuckmeyer, gave me, and because uh, he always used to joke and, and say, "You're my boy, Blue." So on the back of this, he he wrote me a note that Detroit, you know, it says, "You're my boy, Blue." So so that's like uh, definitely on my list uh, is uh, is old school. Uh, wedding crashers and on there. It seems like I got a lot of Will Farrell movies. Yeah. Uh, and we always, whether it's, it's, it's in all of my idiot friends, which unfortunately you're classified within. I um, love that. It's, you know, have the same one liner quote and uh, <laughs> it's terrible. So, right. Uh, right. I don't know, but you said, you know, you, you caught me by surprise when you said predator. Uh, Dude. I immediately thought Jesse Ventura. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I tell you what, Predator is one of those movies that is on thirty-five times a week on certain channels, and every time it comes on, I will sit there and I'll watch it. And wherever it starts, you know, wherever it's at in the movie, I'll finish it out. So, Predator is up there. Goonies is probably top one or top two for me. I, I love the movie Goonies. And here's here's one. You know, we were, we were talking about the 80s. The movie Rad. Have you ever seen the movie Rad? Heck yeah. It, the BMX bicycle one? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh man. Lori Laughlin. Don't tell my wife this, but Lori Laughlin is so hot in that movie. Like, that is what made me start watching Full House. Is That's where it all started. <laughs> My, my dad claims that Lori Laughlin is like the most beautiful woman to ever walk the face of the earth. So I, I get it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 So, and then for comedy, right? Blazing Saddles. My dad got me into that movie. I love Old that school. movie. Yeah. yeah. Well, Mel Brooks, right? That's a Absolutely. Good... Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And then here's one that probably not a lot of people have, but Days of Thunder. I like Days of <laughs> Thunder. Yeah. Better than Top Gun. That's probably oh. a sin to say. Uh, I, I'm hanging my head a little bit right now. <laughs> I just, I just the whole Tom Cruise thing. Wow. Hey, wow. I'm a man. I'm man enough to admit that. That's good. Yeah. So, 
You've said two comedies. All right. What else? What else? Oh man. Hmm. Well, I, at the risk of sounding like a dork, my my six year old made me watch Star Wars the the, the original three Star Wars. So oh, episode yeah. four, episode five, and episode six. So we watched episode four uh, last night and then partially this morning, and then we started episode five. So, and it's the first time I've watched them in a really long time. And I have to say, Star Wars is pretty, still pretty rad. Like, it's, yeah. it's pretty, pretty darn good. So Absolutely. That's, that's up there. Um, man, I'm trying to think. There's just so many good. There's so many good movies. I'm trying to I, I tell you, I tell you really. what we'll do. I'll tell you what we'll do is I'll give, you, I'll, I'll give you some time to think about this, and then we will touch base again on a later date. And I'm gonna want an official. I'm gonna want an official <laughs> list from you. Handwritten note. Handwritten in yeah. <laughs> uh, what's not cursive, but what's that called? Uh, what's that called when you you take a, a really a calligraphy? There Ooh, you go. Calligraphy. I want it, yeah, calligraphy. Wow. wow. Okay. Wow, that's fancy. Okay. I know. All right. Yeah. Well, I tell you Fair what, enough. Tim Kent, man, I really appreciate you taking time to come on the podcast and BS with me today. Uh, yeah. Thank you very thank much. You. And uh, let me be the first to say good luck this upcoming season, man. You too, dude. And there you have it. Another podcast in the books. Huge shout out to Tim Kent for taking time out of his day to hop on and BS with us for a little bit. Uh, definitely have to do that again. Huge shout out to all the partners of this podcast. Bighorn Outfitters, Lone Wolf, Exodus Trail Cameras, Ozonics, Gearhead Archery, Wasp Archery, Ripcord Arrowrest, Deer Lab, and I think Ozonics. Did we say Ozonics? Yeah, we said Ozonics. Guy, oh, by the way, real quick, Deer Lab, go check it out. They have some new uh, awesome technology that uh, everybody needs to go check out. It has image recognition, so it can tell you what is on the actual picture that your trail cam took. It's pretty exciting stuff. Go check it out, DeerLab.com. Other than that, guys, please go to iTunes and leave a review of this podcast uh, the more reviews i get the more i can share uh, those reviews i don't even know why but anyway go leave a review um, go to facebook follow me on facebook follow me on twitter follow me on instagram um, if you guys want to be on the podcast hit me up through facebook or instagram or something like that send me a quick message of why you'd like to be on whether that's because you uh I don't know, hunt deer or elk or any species, either with a bow or a rifle. I'm down for interviewing just about anybody from anywhere. Um, I guess please have a good understanding of the English English language. And if, if you have that, then we'll get along just fine. Other than that, guys, uh, the season is just about here for some of us, if not already. If you're in a tree, guys... I know I say it every time, but I mean it every time. Wear your damn safety harvest. Have a good rest of the week.